So hi again, everybody. It's Tom from Cricket Coach 365, and welcome to our latest podcast. Um, we are absolutely delighted today to welcome Sophie Luff uh, from Western Storm. And just just for the record, this is not becoming the Western Storm unofficial podcast series, but um, we have been fortunate enough to to have a, a connection to Western Storm so far. But hi, Sophie. Hope you're well. Evening, Tom. How are you? Very well, thank you. And. Uh, what we'd love to, to hear from you this evening is just, uh, for, particularly for those um, those young uh, female cricketers who are you know, looking to uh, the, their future and uh, you know aspiring to you know, turn professional from uh, perhaps being in, in the midst of um, the, the the junior pathway within the county system. We'd, we'd love to hear your story because we know, um, I'm sure the listeners will know that uh, that you kind of uh, followed that that pathway yourself. So. Maybe we could just begin by, you know, going back to uh, to when you first started playing, and um, and you know, even before you got in, involved in in junior pathway and, and elite programs, um, you know, where it all began for you. Yeah, so I guess it began from an early age. Um, my family is very cricket orientated. Um, dad played and, and still does play um, every Saturday. Um, so, you know, you were traipsing along to the local cricket club to, to watch him. I've got a younger brother, um, so we were both on the sidelines, um, always throwing a ball around, hitting the ball. Mum was probably in the clubhouse doing the tees. Um, I guess that's probably the story for a, a lot of young cricketers growing up. Um, when it's in your family, uh, you just get into it and I spent a lot of time in the garden um, and it wasn't until I was about probably about nine that I really thought that cricket was going to be the sport for me. So what's, what other sports had you um, shown an interest in up to that age then? Because it's true I think that most of the people that uh, we've spoken to both in podcasts and, and webinars um, is a huge common denominator with uh, the sort of most significant influence of being their dad. Um, but uh, what other sports were you interested in prior to, you know, at nine, thinking, oh, cricket's the one for me? I was very keen on football. Um, so I played predominantly boys' cricket growing up, um, and I loved playing football with the lads as well. Um, I was actually a goalkeeper, uh, believe it or not. I'm not the tallest, um, but I absolutely loved being in goal. Um, and it wasn't until um, I got told that I couldn't play with the boys anymore um, that I sort of... Uh, chose cricket over football. Um, I went and played for a girls football team for a year, but we went back to small pitches and I just didn't really enjoy it that much. And at that point, I was about 12, 13 and cricket was really taking off for me. So were you told you weren't allowed to play um, football with the lads? Is that, is that what you said? Yeah, so I don't know. There becomes, there's an age where I think it might have been I played under 12s and then when it got to the under 13s level, um, they said that I couldn't play anymore. So that's when I joined joined the girls team. Right, so so where so where was the club then that uh, you first started playing, um, and where your dad played, and, and your younger brother, and so on? Yeah, so my dad played um, at a club called Brent Knoll, but they didn't really have that big a youth section. So I actually went along to Western Supermare Cricket Club, um, which is five minutes um, down the road from me. I live in a little village called Limpsham. Uh, I actually live right opposite the cricket pitch in Limpsham. But again, we weren't really associated with the club at that time. Dad had always played his cricket at Brent Knoll, which was 10 minutes away. So, um, yeah, I started playing at Western. It wasn't really until I went to a middle school. So um, I would have been nine at the time. And it was really then that I guess I got more involved in cricket. There was there was a team there and a, a chap called Mr Waterfield was um, 
pretty much a sports assistant coach, uh, but he was in charge of the cricket team. He got me involved. I ended up being captain very quickly, and, and from there, I captained youth cricket at Western um, and throughout my school years. So, as a nine-year-old uh, girl, uh, what age group were you playing? Was it under 11s? Yeah, I'd have been playing under 11s initially um, at Western, um, and then obviously in my year group at, at school, I'd have been been playing there. How strong was uh, school cricket for you? Yeah, it was actually really strong. Um, we had a, we had a very good team and there was actually a, a really good competition with, within the school system um, it's very competitive uh, I remember might have been year seven or year eight we actually we actually won the trophy um, and that was a real highlight for me at that young age to be able to lead a side of side of boys and win a trophy um, it's something that you know has, has stayed with me really where did you play the final do you remember that yeah, it was at um, Bridgewater Cricket Club, um, so one of the bigger clubs in, in Somerset. Um, and actually, that's the only time I've ever sort of played a game there. I um, haven't played there since, so yeah. So it stuck out in the memory. Yeah, it did. And was, was school cricket then, was it, um, was it, a, high, was it a, a comprehensive school or was it independent school that you went to, just out of interest? Yeah, it was a comprehensive school. Because I think one of the things that um, you know, you know, we're, we're all becoming increasingly aware of is that uh, you know, for most uh, comprehensive schools, cricket is almost disappearing off the landscape. And I don't know what your views are on that, because I know you've been involved in Chance to Shine. So just a very quick one: what's what are your views on that? Yeah, I think it, it needs to be supported more. Um, it certainly helped my development. I mean, I went through a different school system to a lot of people. Um, I went to a first school, then a middle school, um, and then on to my last school. Um, but yeah, I, I absolutely loved being involved in cricket at school. I think it is difficult with the term times, obviously the cricket season, you know, majority of the time falls in the in the school holidays. Um, but, you know, Chance to Shine, they've really pushed sort of key stage one delivery and that links with the ECB initiative of All Stars and, and Dynamos. Um, yeah. And I guess that is instigating a love of the game at a very early age. Um, but also, you know, there needs to be that continuation and support in, in secondary schools as well. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And uh, I think that um, if the, the good work that's been, that's been started and linked uh, between Chance to Shine and All Stars can continue uh, into the next two stages, uh, key stages um, in in high school and senior school. Then um, you know we should feel very optimistic. Um, yeah, I, I hope that that will um, that will transpire because uh, my fear is that um, you know the, the the next time someone puts on an England shirt, whether it be for the women's team or the men's team, um, who's played uh, uh, cricket at school in a, in a comprehensive school, it, you know I don't know whether we'll see that again. Um, and that's a real shame. Yeah, I'm not trying to do some really good stuff in secondary schools uh, regarding girls and um, trying to get more girls playing. Um, I was involved in a pilot study last year, um, so I went in and did a lot of coaching in secondary schools, um, a little bit around leadership and um, coaching that way. Um, but I thought that was that was brilliant, and I think they'll continue to do that for the next few years. Yeah, well, that's fantastic to hear. And uh, I know the MCC Foundation Trust have got some uh, centres around the UK that um, are trying to bridge the gap. But I think there's also a charity called Oldridge Trust. I don't know whether you've had any involvement with, with them because I think Georgia Adams, um, who you, you may have played against um, for Sussex, um, she, she, I think she leads uh, the cricket at a, a school that's um, been set up and paid for by this charity called the Aldridge Trust. 
um, but has been really set up to, to give cricket an opportunity to, to be very much part of the school curriculum um, as opposed to in most state schools where that's not the case. Um, anyway, back to back to you and, and so uh, tell us a little bit about, about how you then kicked on from club and school cricket and got uh, selected into the talent pathway for the county. Yeah, so I played yeah predominantly boys cricket growing up there was um, a program called corners which was basically district cricket within the county uh, i represented the northwest um, and played in numerous games um, during the summer months um, i was probably 13 around the time where i got um, introduced to a guy called pete sanderson who was in charge of the boys epp at somerset um, so i managed to get on that program i'd been playing a little bit of girls under 13s that season as well and i performed pretty well um so that was where it, it all sort of started i was part of a an epp program with tom abel who's obviously gone on to do uh, fantastic things and is is somerset captain now um so yeah i look back on that time um as a really big learning curve in my development um obviously uh, the lads were very good on that program. I remember spending a lot of my time bowling because uh, they didn't trust me to always bat against the quicker bowlers. I remember facing a lot of spin growing up, um, which I don't think has done me any harm. Um, but yeah, it was just great to be involved in in that sort of performance program. What, what were the um, what were the key criteria if you if you remember or, or, or even whether you were aware? What were the key criteria for being uh, nominated or? Um, selected or requested to go on that EPP program, Sophie? To be honest, I, I wouldn't wouldn't have a clue. Um, and, you know, looking back, you know, that was a long time ago. And I'm sure there were certain certain criteria that you needed to hit um, as, a, as a player and certain things that they were looking for. Um, at the time, Anya would have been part of the academy there. Um, so they'd have had a girl on a, on a high-level performance program already. Um, so I guess they were probably looking for for some future stars and yeah I guess I just performed consistently within the county age groups um, which gave me a gave me a shout of selection. And were you um, batting and bowling then within the county age groups? Yeah so um, I was opening the batting and, and opening the bowling in most games um, I definitely saw myself more of a, more of a bowler um, whether that was because I spent a lot more of my time at sessions bowling um, but yeah I absolutely rated myself as as a bowler I felt like sometimes um, I would be more judged as a batter within net situations I was quite a um, I lacked confidence as a as a young girl and um, I didn't necessarily enjoy uh, batting all the time even though you know I was pretty good at it um, yeah in those sort of situations I did feel like it was all on you and you were being judged whereas bowling you could run up and bowl you could bowl a bad one and you can get away with it you could just run up the next time so looking back I think that's a really interesting uh, point and something that um, those who have listened to these podcasts before and heard um, uh, other discussions that I've uh, been involved with will know my views on it but that the whole uh, sort of mental approach to um, to cricket, especially for batters, um, and starting from a young age, um, I think what you just said there probably sums it up perfectly. That you know that you're almost in a um, almost like in a goldfish bowl as a as a batter, um, being judged and being um, observed and critiqued. Um, you know, whereas, and you might just, you know, if you're in a net situation and you're in one of those um, scenarios where you're out, you're out. That's it. Whereas uh, bowlers will then get, you know, they might uh, drop a, 
um, a ball halfway down and get smacked, but the next ball they, they get somebody out, uh, they're redeemed. So, so how, how did you kind of deal or come to terms with that confidence uh, issue or that lack of confidence? Um, I'd probably say that it's, it's only really um, sort of turned a corner in the last three or four years. Um, and, you know, that's, that's a long, long time between being a 13-year-old girl in that situation. And then, you know, I'm 26 now, so, I'd, you know, probably say around 22, 23. Um, and I guess that's just um, working with, with different people that um, open your mind to different things. They make you see things um, in a different light. Um, and that was certainly the case case for me um, working with, with some coaches over the last few years. Um, I think coaching has played a massive part in developing my confidence, um, just being in different situations and having to adapt. Um, yeah, I think that's that's played a part, but definitely um, certain people, certain influences have, uh, have improved my confidence and it just given me a little bit more self-belief. Yeah, well, thank you for your, for your honesty. I th- I, it's, uh, it's very um, very good of you to, to share that. I think uh, for anybody listening again, um, who's perhaps 13, 14, 15, but you know, feeling as though their, their, their confidence is a little bit low, it's, it's really good to hear that you know, some people's um, development, whether that be psychologically, emotionally, physically, um, happens you know, um, over a period of maybe two or three years and, and everything kind of falls into place. But that's not the, that's not the case for everybody. Um, and you know, to hear you say that it took you more like you know, 10 years to come to, to, to come to terms with that, um, I think is really good for people to hear. So thank you for, for sharing that. Um, so so tell us a little bit then about how moving up through the uh, the you know, from the EPP uh, program into professional cricket. How how did that uh, come to pass? Uh, well, I played all through the age groups at Somerset and then transitioned into uh, senior women's cricket for the county. Um, it took me a while to break into the. The senior setup to be honest um wasn't until i was around 16 that i made my debut um mainly because we had a we had a very strong side um and it, and it was hard to break into um you know i performed regularly at you know under 17 age group um but i guess i just had to keep performing keep knocking on the door and, and then take my opportunity when it came um probably around that age um I was part of, it was called Super Fours, Junior Super Fours, which was like a national um, top 50 girls in the country come together for a week in the summer, play games. Um, and from there, they pick sort of an Eng- England Academy program. So I, I was involved with that program for a number of years. Um, and I was part of uh, an England sort of under 19s development squad for a few years. Um, so I used to go to Loughborough for camps. Um, but it wasn't until I got selected for a tour to South Africa um, which was um, sort of an under-19s tour. I was slightly older. There were a few girls that were just out of age group, um, and I performed really well on that tour. It just so happened that we didn't have a manager for the tour, and Lisa Kitely, who was the England Academy head coach at the time, she came as manager. Um, so I performed in front of her, and, and from there, she, she they'd already selected the academy uh, squad for the winter at the time. Um, but after that trip, um, they bumped me onto the programme. I spent three to four years um, on the academy program, um, was deselected um, after the 2017 season, um, which was disappointing given that I performed well for Western Storm. Um, so the KSL had been going for two years. Um, I had a really good good year for Storm. And, and so that was a t- tough time for me in terms of um, it being, a, a, I guess, an upward, 
upward curve um, from the age of 13. And that was sort of the point where I felt like um, it hadn't gone to plan and, you know, I had to sort of reassess what my next steps were. Uh, there's a lot of information in there that I'd like to just unpick a little bit. So, um, so how old were you when you when you went on this trip to uh, this tour to South Africa? Um, I'd probably been around nineteen. Right. Um, and yeah. when you said you performed well, what 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 were you? What did you do? What, was this again bowling? Or was it batting? Was it all around? Was it captaincy? Yeah. So at that point, I was I was just a batter on that tour. Um, I I probably stopped bowling when I was around seventeen, eighteen. Um, mainly because Somerset were a side of bowlers and I I knew that batting was the thing that was going to get me to next level so I spent a lot of my time focusing on that um, so on that tour I think I probably scored um, three 50s in a row the first three games um, couple, there was a couple of T20s to start with where I got 50 in both both games um, and then I think I got another 50 in the tour um, in the longer format so yeah it's just I guess I felt pressure off me in terms of I knew they'd already selected the academy. I had nothing to lose at that point. It was, you know, I was in South Africa for two and a half weeks, um, just go and enjoy my cricket, enjoy myself. Um, and yeah, I guess that's when I performed performed best. Fantastic story. Well done. And uh, but I, you, you mentioned it's interesting, you know, that we spoke to, to Danny um, a couple of weeks ago. Um, uh, Danny Gibson, and um, sh she was saying that the word she used wasn't deselection. The word she used was axed um, when she uh, didn't get selected or was effectively um, not picked. Uh, the word she used was axed. Uh, but I think uh, again, for any younger cricketer uh, or any any youngster um, just involved in in, in sports in general, I think you you, you talk um, very eloquently about that curve going upwards, nice and smoothly. I don't know any any professional uh, athlete in any sport that will have got to their the peak of their career or achieved every ambition without some uh, knockbacks, without some times where things haven't gone perfectly for them, and they might have to go back a couple of steps to then go forward a couple of steps. So, so how how did that work for you when that um, that moment happened and you you said you got deselected? Yeah, like I said, it was it was tough, and and it was tough because. I was getting all my support cricket-wise through that program. So I was up and down to Loughborough um, throughout the winter. Um, I had S&C, you know, programs provided for me. And then once you get, you know, axed off that program, um, there isn't that support network. That there isn't that um, network within the county game, particularly in the women's game, to support you. Um, so I find myself um, needing to earn a living. So that's where coaching came in. Um, or in terms of I didn't have a coach to access I didn't really have much time I didn't have facilities um, so during that period um, I decided that I would try and utilise people that I did know um, and the resources I, I did have um, pretty much begged, borrowed and, and stole during that period I, I just asked people if they would work with me um, I was lucky enough to be involved with Somerset Cricket Board coaching so if there was you know ever a free hour in the hall then and I had a free hour in my diary I would try and use that and tie it in with someone that was prepared to give up their time and work with me for free um, and that's sort of how I continued to, to train really. Again fantastic um, uh, fantastic sort of insight again for people to to listen to and, and learn from I think um, you know, not being shy to ask for help 
being resourceful, uh, you know, being hungry to um, to continue to, to work and learn and develop. Um, you know, very clear uh, from listening to you there that that's kind of what helped you through that uh, that tough period. So, um, so then you know, um, getting back into um, you know the good times. Tell tell us um, how the the last couple of years have gone for you at Western Storm. Yeah, it's been brilliant. Um, it's definitely been the best best four years of my career um five if you in, in include this year in the new era but um the key super league for me was a real learning curve as a player um i developed loads um i you know i wasn't really that well suited to t20 cricket so i had to look at my game closely and figure out what i wanted to do and what i could offer to the side um you know the last couple of years of the key super league i really settled in at sort of five and six and, and became a little bit of a finisher and um for me that was quite surprising um, if people had categorized me as that um before the competition um i'd have you know laughed and had a little bit of a giggle um you know i'm not someone that's gonna hit it out of the park um but i know what i am good at um you know i can hit gaps i can get up and down for twos um, and, and that's what I built my game around, really. Sound like female for Kane Williamson. <laughs> I'd love to be in that bracket. <laughs> so so, um, so how, how, how have the last uh, few seasons gone personally and for the team then? Yeah, so we obviously uh, won the, the Kia Super League in 2017 and, and 2019. Um, I guess to finish the four years of that, that tournament, um, picking up the trophy again was was really special. Um, it was a very special group to be a part of. There were some fantastic players, um, fantastic staff we worked with. Um, yeah, it's hard to describe what what Storm's about. There's just something about it that it's just a great group of people, and we all had that that one goal, and, and we would do everything to to try and get there. I guess. Superb, and j just give us a little bit of an insight into what, um, if you could almost summarise a typical 12-month period, which for the last six months has been very non-typical. So if you were to ignore 2020 and go back to maybe, um, I don't know, the winter of 2018, so looking ahead to the 2019 season, um, just just walk us through what that kind of looks like for somebody um, you know, playing professionally in the women's game. Yeah, so I guess at the time um, I was involved with Storm, but it was sort of semi-professional. So we'd literally get together for the month of August, play in this fantastic tournament, and then that was pretty much it. Um, we'd have sort of some group sessions during the winter, but again, um, few and far between. Um, Trevor Griffin um, was the coach. Um, had a very good relationship with him, and yeah, he just gave up his time to to work with me and develop me during those winter months. Um, and then usually um, the start of the season is pretty much county cricket. So I'd have played the majority of, of games for Somerset. Um, and then, yeah, we probably meet up with, with Storm sort of middle of July, end of July, and then move into the tournament pretty quickly. Um, and then it's all done and dusted by September usually. Is it, but are the, are the contracts... Uh, the same or different uh, between county and then um, the uh, the T20 format. Um, so, so, how does county, that work? County cricket, you you're playing for the love of the game. Um, there's no contracts involved. Um, right. You know, it's pretty much. You know, I don't want to say that it's club cricket, but you know, it is like turning up 
for your club uh, and playing and you're there because you know you love playing for Somerset or, or whoever it is um, and then yeah, okay. just contracted for the, the period of sort of the playing competition um, for Storm I see alright okay and, and then uh, what about um, opportunities outside of um, the, the UK how does that how does that work now for, for the women's game could you you know potentially see yourself have you played um, abroad is it something that you, know, you would see as an ambition of, uh, for you going forward yeah it's, it's not something that I've ever really considered I'm, I'm very much a home girl um, travelling for me um, you know I've been very lucky to travel to some amazing countries and spend two or three weeks there, um, but then I'm itching to get home. So, um, yeah, I mean, going to Australia for six months um, sounds amazing, um, but, yeah, it's just never really been on my radar. Uh, moving into to being a professional cricketer um, all year round now, um, it, it may well be something that I, I consider, um, but obviously I was spending a lot of my winter um, coaching and I, I had real security in that in that role and it was something that I wanted to develop I didn't know whether you know my cricket career playing wise was going to go where I wanted it to do and um, to go so um, yeah coaching was that backup for me. So tell us a little bit about your your coaching and your passion for that um, how, how would you describe your coaching style? <laughs> uh, good question actually um, I'd like to think I'm, I'm pretty relaxed um, and I think for me, the biggest thing is I've had learnings as a player that I want to try and help young young girls with. Um, so building their confidence is is my number one priority. Um, and you know, I'm still finding ways to explore how you do that. Um, you know, I haven't mastered it myself as a player yet, so um, I'm not expecting you know a 13, 14, 15 year old girl to to be able to master it either. Um, and yeah, I'm I'm still relatively young within my within my coaching career. Um, so yeah, it's just developing all the time, um, trying to again utilize the people around you to try and try and learn as much as you can and and taking as much information as possible. Superb. I think um, that definitely uh, for me demonstrates um, a phrase I've not used yet, but I've written it down about three or four times, um, which represents you uh, from a. Um, I don't know whether you've read anything by uh, Matthew Said or whether you've um, uh, done any studying about uh, positive psychology, but um, you, you definitely demonstrate what's called a growth mindset. It's, it's something that's a phrase that's being used more and more in sport now as well as in business, but effectively means you, um, you, you know, you're, you're open to, to learning and developing and see that um, along the way you're probably not always going to achieve what you want to, but um, when those moments happen, you don't look, look upon it as a negative, you look upon it as an opportunity to make yourself better. And that sounds like um, you very much represent that in your, uh, in your approach to everything you do. Would you say that's a fair assessment? Yeah, I'd like to think so. I think that's where I've been able to make that switch and, and that's what's helped me improve my confidence. Um, you know, I didn't look at things like that before. You know, I, I spoke about when I was, you know, 13 and batting in nets and I felt like I was being judged and I mm. didn't make any mistakes. Um, you know, I wanted to be, uh, you know, I'm still a perfectionist now, but I wanted to be perfect and, and I didn't want to show any, any flaws. Whereas now I'm comfortable with, with where I'm at, I'm comfortable with my game. You know, I've got good relationships with the people that I work with, um, and yeah, you know, it's really important to to make sure that you know that you are allowed to to make mistakes, and you know, it's all part of that that process of learning and um, yeah, just trying to get better, really. 
Absolutely, and, and we we talked offline earlier in the week about um, you know our respective involvements in coaching, and, and you're aware now that I've, I've designed these uh, these coaching cards that uh, I hope will help coaches and players uh, develop their games um, and their uh, their own sort of skills. Uh, I think one of the things that I'm most passionately um, a strong believer in is is building or helping uh, build confidence in a player, whether they be I don't know on a scale of naught to ten, already eight, or whether they to begin with are you know down at one or two but but helping them um, build their self-confidence is um, you know so, certainly something that drives me and um, it helped me in my thinking about uh, designing a set of, of, of coaching questions that relate to um, failure or mistakes um, or um, coming up against difficult challenges which perhaps sometimes you just can't see a way around so um, you know, I think showing that honesty and that vulnerability and that authenticity in your coaching, um, as you say you do, I think will will have a hugely positive impact on those players that have the good fortune of coming under your under your watch. Um, I was going to ask you, um, so uh, for for anybody who's um, yeah, a, a young batter, so what um, what would you say, uh, you know, your your tips would be, um, you know, from from what you've learned, uh, not not so much over the whole of your career, but just looking back more recently, uh, what would you say the sort of top two tips would be that you would sort of immediately, if someone asked you, look, um, what would be your top two tips as a batter uh, in the women's game today? What would you say they would they would be? Um, drawing on personal experience, um, trying to access power in the women's game. Your, your hands are really important, so and look at what your hands are doing um, and how you're going to access power with them. Um, and then I think it's just around that contact point and making sure that you're playing the ball really late and, and right underneath your eyes um, so you've got maximal control. That's just brilliant advice. <laughs> that is so specific. Um, yeah, fantastic advice for anyone listening. And uh, you must pay attention to that, whoever listens to this. Um, what kind of bat do you use? My sponsor is Kudos, um, so they're based in Somerset. Um, it's a firm I've always sort of been um, connected with, um, and yeah, they look after me, me really well. So um, yeah, get yourself one of them if, <laughs> if, yeah, if you're in that soon. <laughs> no, I think I think that's a lovely story. I think I think um, you know you describe yourself as a home girl. You've um, you just you said your your dad and, and brother uh, play cricket locally. Um, you know, you've you've then shown some loyalty to a, to a local um, you know sponsor of, of a bat manufacturer. So I think that's um, that comes full circle really, really well. Um, what about captaincy? Any any tips on captaincy and leadership? I think just try and try and stay calm as much as possible. Um, just you know, take that deep breath when you're under the pump um, or you feel under pressure. Just try and you know give yourself that extra extra few seconds to, to think um, as clearly as possible um, and I think at times you know things aren't going to go to plan um, you know you can you can have the best plan in the world you know your bowler knows what they want to want to do you've set the field um, you know sometimes the batter can, can play a really good shot or you know at times we're human so we make mistakes we don't execute what we want to do um, so it's just trying to get get onto the next ball and, and have a really clear focus for that yeah, I think um, that's another great way of describing um, 
you know real asset of, of somebody in, in your kind of capacity I, I, I think some a word that springs to mind that um, I think might be a good one to describe you is someone who's very um, been able to be very resourceful and adapted adapted herself um, along along the way in her career adapts um, in terms of maybe in, in the moment just as you described there as a captain or a leader um, but maybe also adapt you've adapted your game you know, as, a, as a player who used to bowl and bat but now bats more and you know you, you've adapted your game to the, the shorter version of the uh, of cricket as well so uh, and I think anybody who wants to do well in life has to be able to adapt and you clearly have done that already. Um, so, what does the future look like for you then, Sophie? Uh, the future looks very exciting at the moment. Um, it's obviously um, exciting that I'm able to, you know, say I'm a full-time cricketer now, professionally. Um, it's I haven't had that luxury before, um, so I'll be able to sort of focus full-time on my cricket. Um, spend a winter training really hard um, with some of the other Storm girls that, who have also been lucky enough to be awarded contracts. Um, and then hopefully, fingers crossed, that next season looks a little bit more normal. Um, we get a little bit more cricket in. Um, I was due to play in the 100 this summer, um, which is obviously going to roll over to next year now. Um, so it'll be yeah. great to, to get out there. Um, obviously signed for, for Welsh Fire. Um, so, yeah, just lots of opportunities coming up, um, which I'm, yeah, like I say, really looking forward to. Well, uh, I'm sure everybody listening will join me in wishing you all the very best for that uh, that immediate future, but also for long-term future, both playing and coaching and whatever else you get involved in. So thank you ever so much for your time this evening and um, yeah, wish you all the very best. Thanks, Tom. It's been great.